podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. At this particular point, I would love to welcome to the program. This is Professor Stacy Wood. Hi, Stacy. How are you doing? Hey, I'm glad to be here. In fact, in my mind, Americus, we are still those cool kids in Gainesville, Florida, and uh, not the responsible parents uh, that we have grown up to be. Uh, Stacy, you've been talking a little bit about on the doctor's side. What have you been finding on the consumer side in terms of perceptions of these new technologies? How do we get people, I mean, I guess, and also speak in the context of COVID kind of forcing us into this, but how do we, how do we get consumers thinking about taking on these technologies to better their lives, to better the lives of others uh, in, the, in the most impactful way? What is your research finding? So what I find is that, it, again, it's segmentation. People have different attitudes toward medicine and their doctors. Some feel that the doctor is always right and that they are an expert. Other people have suspicions of medical practice that may go along with their suspicions of other authoritarian figures. You know, like different people have different responses. Um, privacy is a huge issue. And so not being sensitive to the idea that, you know, your doctor is going to know a lot about you and have a lot on their computer about you. Um, maybe it's okay if a human's looking at that, but maybe you don't want, uh, some kind of, uh, artificial intelligence figuring out stuff about you. Maybe you Mm -hmm. don't want to be tracked Mm -hmm. or maybe you do. I think that (laughs) I wrote a paper a long time ago that said that, uh, baby boomers, because of their, um, the way they feel about being watched, they have a big brother mentality, mainly because they were actually, like they lived through the Cold War, right? Like they, they remember that. They remember that authoritarian regime as being very negative. Um, they had to read 1984 and all these books. Um, but, uh, so when you say, we're gonna track you and we're gonna customize for you and we're gonna tell you when you're getting sick, they're like, whoa, 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 who are you watching me? Whereas millennials are so used to having you know, technology track them and customize things for them, and they don't have that Cold War mentality. They're just sort of like, of course, people want to watch me. I'm fascinating. Right? Like, why wouldn't you want to watch me and tell me what would work for me? So I think there are going to be generational aspects to this. I think there's going to be personality and segmentation issues around it. Um, but the thing is to be mindful and so to kind of be aware of the big trends. And so mm-hmm. like one particular big trend that's really interesting right now is the do-it-yourself mentality that ah. frankly, part of a larger trend, right? You know, people like crafting things themselves, like doing things themselves, mm-hmm. like making things. Um, and when you take away that sense of the doctor as infallible, then doing it yourself with medicine actually becomes kind of more viable. And then you add a technology like 3D printing in there and suddenly, you know, like all the worlds come together, right? Like I have the confidence as a patient to think that I can put something together that'll work for me. I have the technology in a 3D printer. I have sort of the freedom from a medical system that, you know, maybe my doctor is a little bit more on, you know, into like, oh yeah, you want to try, you know, looking at some open source, you know, things that you could make a device to help yourself. Um, people are printing their own casts. They're printing their wow. own prosthetics, their own dentures. Um, <laughs> and if you can think about how expensive some of those things are, it makes total sense, especially um, prosthetics for kids are a really big do-it-yourself world because kids outgrow their prosthetics so quickly. Interesting. And because interestingly, like you put that together, one of the other big trends that's super cool now is that we like the robotic. Um, we mm-hmm. like the futuristic. 
And so kids these days don't want their prosthetic arms to look like arms. They want them to look like um, Iron Man, you know, Interesting. They want, them to, they want to look like a cyborg, you know, like they want to have that oh, cool futuristic, or they want them to like be purple and sparkly and have unicorn, like <laughs> don't say, yeah, make this, make this arm look like I have an arm. They say, no, I, I don't have an arm and that's kind of cool. So make it look really cool. Very, yeah. Very so there's just like, there's a really interesting culture around prosthetics that are much more um, people being agentic and in control and, um, just you know, leaning into the, the, the to the coolness of what opportunities opportunities they have. Very very cool. So this is super interesting to me, Stacy, because it reminds me of the, the 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 very clear aspect in the literature, and I want you to comment on this uh, because there's a double edged sword to this, right? There is there is confidence in having some belief that you can DIY some of this medicine medical stuff yourself, but I'm also I also think about, Stacey, the idea of kind of overconfidence uh, as a bias in the literature and the cognitive and judgment and decision-making literature, and also just the idea of the danger of misinformation, right? So I'm not the kind of guy, and I hope others aren't as well, to go drink bleach or to (laughs) to suddenly, you know, not vaccinate my child because Jenny McCarthy said not to. Uh, but there is this kind of like, how do you, and what does your research show? How do you, and I guess it's different across generations for baby boomers versus millennials, but how do you rein in the possibility of something that can have such a positive upside turning into something that could actually really, really be harmful for consumers? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think doctors and healthcare providers and the health industry is really worried about. Like, let's not start this, this but let's not set it a sale and let it, you know, then have uh, potentially go to a bad place. Um, and I don't think that's the right answer because I think the ship has sailed. I think people are going to do more DIY medical stuff. And the more that doctors are in there and part of the conversation, they are the trusted um, provider of information. Uh, they are the person who's kind of a part of that system rather than, just, you know, saying, no, no, you shouldn't do it while people then sneak around and don't tell their doctor, oh, I didn't tell my doctor that I actually am, you know, uh, an active member on this particular blog where we all share, you know, our, um, but, you know, it's been going on. It's, it's, uh, in many ways, blogs and, and uh, online communities give each Mm -hmm. other advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the, the medical community needs to jump in there. Now, will misinformation, uh, Will it give a platform for people to use misinformation or um, to spread things that are 100% true? Absolutely. I mean, like we, we, we see that with every facet. So I think that um, in every part of our society, the verification of information is becoming something that we don't know how to provide, but we need to learn how to provide. So I'm not exactly sure what the answer to that is, um, but it's, uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the potential for people to use the technology and the confidence and the overconfidence, which mm-hmm. we know is really quite problematic, to you know, go to a bad place, yeah, and um, come up with some, you know, some theory that they think is going to help them. Uh, and, and sadly, it might do the exact opposite. Stacey, I want you to continue this conversation. How are you helping doctors uh, actually understand this new paradigmatic change. In other words, the fact that they're going to have to take on new personas. The old, 
sort of, here's my stethoscope and, and I come in with the white coat and I comfort you. And that whole thing is might be out the window. So what do they need to learn how to do uh, in terms of what your research is showing to be better healthcare providers in this new world order? Well, some of the things that they need to learn how to do are interesting because they're actually throwbacks to the to the old world of medicine. So um, one of the things that uh, I'm studying right now is how loss of um, how loss of direct sight um, um, eye contact mm. is impacting doctors when they're using so many devices. So you, we've all had that experience, right? You go to an exam room. Uh, your doctor comes in, they've got an iPad, or they go straight to the computer that's in the room, they log in, they start asking you questions, they're asking you questions while they're also scanning, you know, whatever screen is in front of them. Uh, you start to talk, then you're not sure if you should talk, and then they, you, it's, this is a very stilted uh -huh. conversation, uh, as then they say, no, no, you say things, and then you say things, and then they're writing them down, they're typing them in. Interesting. Well, these devices are um, really prevalent now, and they are really helpful. I mean, um, electronic health records are something we absolutely need. Um, however, that loss of eye contact is a real problem. So when you think about doctors, how do they use the technologies that are there for them without falling prey to some of the things that can come about through loss of eye contact? So for example, a lot of things that are diagnostic are visuals, right? How is the person mm -hmm. behaving? How are they interacting? Mm -hmm. um, it's easier to lie to people when they don't look you in the eye. It's mm -hmm. easier to not know that people are lying to you. So think about all the people who are coming in and, and, and you're know, talking about pain and opioids and whatnot. Interesting. You know, when the doctor is looking at a screen and not at you, what does that change about what you are or not able to say? Got it. Um, you can think about all the ways in which um, patients feel like they aren't cared for because they don't get eye contact in which patients feel like, well, you didn't really know the real me, so I'm not going to listen and do what you told me to do. Mm -hmm. So all of these things where doctors, honestly, that's one thing I've learned from uh, talking with doctors. And a lot of what I'm doing right now is trying to write papers that reach that audience, that medical audience. And mm -hmm. also I'm teaching a lot of classes, giving a lot of seminars, because I find that this is the sort of thing that the medical community, it's just, it's... It's surprising to them. And so if they don't hear it in kind of a interesting, proactive, positive way, mm -hmm. uh, they're very resistant. Very, very cool. Stacy Wood, you're a great friend. You're an inspiration. And I look up to you. You're one of my sheroes. And I really want to thank you for taking time for spending a bit of uh, your time and giving us some wisdom on uh, today's show. Thank you very much, Stacy. Oh, Americas, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for the invitation. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.